Awesome. If you uh, need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and uh, Alex and Alvin are out back right here passing our Bibles. We're going to go through a lot of text, so you might want to, want to encourage you. Some of the text will not be on the screen, uh, so I encourage you to grab a Bible if you can. If not, you just can listen hard. Um, a lot of the text will be on the screen. Just letting you guys know, um, if you are new, we have been going through the book of Proverbs uh, in our local body. What we do is we go through uh, books of the Bible. Uh, and we will take short hiatuses and we'll do some topics um, based on our cultural context and what's going on in our culture. Uh, and so, uh, like, for example, we'll be done with Proverbs. So this is our last week of Proverbs. So praise the Lord, you guys did a great job going through Proverbs. We've been going through Proverbs now how long? Yeah, you can give a shout and a clap. How many? Like a while, right? almost a year maybe? Or No, no? Oh, five months. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad y'all didn't think it was that long. Well, praise the Lord. So... Uh, Okay, I've been gracious to y'all, and I make the one much longer, I promise. So, um, and, we, and we go through books of the Bible uh, just to make sure that we are being faithful to uh, the whole counsel of the scriptures. And uh, we, we, we try to figure out how to do that, you know, by understanding there is a, a narrative throughout scripture, uh, but also um, there is a timeline that we want to stay folk, we want to understand too. And so we, if, if we go by just a timeline, uh, it will be a long time before we get to Jesus. And so we bounce back and forth for that reason, just for you to, help to, un- for you to understand that all this is about Christ. But also we want you to understand that, th- that the story of Christ is founded in redemptive history. Uh, and so we go through different books. Uh, we're doing Proverbs now. We'll be done. We'll take a uh, time of celebrating next week. Um, so make sure you come. Make sure you be inviters. Uh, and then... Uh, we'll go through um, our series of ecclesiology, and we'll take that all the way through Advent. It's our time of celebrating the coming of our Savior. And then after Advent and celebrating Christmas and things of that sort, then we'll enter, uh, we'll have a time of, of just enjoying each other in our vision time in the beginning of the year, and then we'll hit the book of Acts. So uh, that's our, our calendar um, for our fall and winter time. And then we'll hit Acts, obviously, through Easter and even past Easter. Um, a book of Proverbs, uh, I'd like to always encourage people, um, when looking at the book of Proverbs, we're doing a book of Proverbs unlike all the other books that we've done thus far. A lot of the other books were either gospels or historical books. None were poetical books. None were book, literature books of wisdom, okay, which is a very different genre, a very different way of reading the scriptures. It's, uh, and so uh, with historical books, you know, you go through a narrative history, they tell you something that happened, and you sort of just exposit that, you talk about what that means. Whereas in a poetical book or a book of, of literature of wisdom, which is what Proverbs is, um, it's a book of trying to help us understand how to live wise and skillfully as believers. Um, and, or, or if you're not a believer, you look at the book and then guys will say, hey, here's how you live wise and skillfully. And then you look at it and you get blown away because you realize you can't do all that. And then you realize you need Jesus. You don't need Jesus just to live wise and skillfully. You need Jesus because you can't live wise and skillfully as it were. And he's our perfect representative who does that for us. And then what we do is we get to retell his story, although flawed, we get to retell his story of what he's doing in redemptive history. So that's the beauty of the gospel, is that anything, when, if you leave this church, um, if you're a visitor, don't go anywhere thinking that the Bible is trying to tell you how to be perfect, as it were, right? It's really telling you how to be perfect and then helping you understand there's only one perfect one, and that the Bible is about bad people and a good God. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That shouldn't just give us despair. That should give us hope and joy going, wow. 
I don't have to figure out how to do this because I, well, lights out. Last one out the room, turn out the lights because we all jacked up. But the beauty of the gospel is that God shows us what does it mean to be holy and righteous. And he says, guess what? I could have destroyed you, but I didn't. I brought my son who is holy and righteous. And now when you put your faith and your trust and your confidence in him, you get to now rest in that he makes you righteous and he takes your sin That's what we're doing. That's the beauty of the gospel. So in Proverbs, we as newly created people who love Jesus go, oh, so now I'm God's people. God has made me perfect and righteous. He's made me a co-heir by his grace. And now because I am his son, I get to live like his son. And so now I don't strive to to be perfect. I just realize that's my daddy. I want to be like my daddy. See the motivation difference? It's not to gain acceptance. It's because I'm accepted. Right. And so Proverbs, so we look at Proverbs and what happens, it tells us all these pithy sayings, these truisms. And, and what the, the point of those things is to say, hey, I want to give you all these snapshots of what it means uh, to be godly, to be wise. Okay. And so what we've done is we've given you an awesome cheat sheet. If you go out, there should be a Proverbs document uh, to your left out in the foyer. And it has all the different topics uh, that Proverbs gives us. Again, you don't do the whole Bible like this. Don't go home and read the Bible like this. It's not a self-help manual. Please don't do that. Proverbs, because it's a certain genre, which means that it's a, a poetical wisdom literature. And what they've done is they've taken all these different topics and they got them laced all throughout Proverbs. And the best way that we can interpret Proverbs accurately is by synthesizing all the information. What that's called is systematic theology, right? You take a, a, a word or a topic and then you find out what the Bible says about it. But in particular here, you're finding out what Proverbs says about it. And then we talk about our findings. And that's what we've been doing um, for the last while now, Okay. But that's not, don't go to the Bible doing that with every book. That's not the point, right? It's about a historical, it's a historical narrative. So that's what we've been doing with Proverbs, talking about what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be a fool? What does it mean to be a friend, right? What does it mean to, uh, to, to be stubborn? Uh, you go through all the different things. What does it mean to have money? What does it mean to be poor? And we've looked at those things um, throughout our time together, okay? Today, what's exciting is uh, our, our sort of last hurrah, it's actually a summary of all the things we've done uh, this whole uh, time in Proverbs, okay? Uh, we're talking today about what does it mean to, be, um, to see the ways of men versus the ways of God, right? That's just a summary of Proverbs, is that I want you to, I want you to, I want you to listen hard during this time because what God is trying to, he's given us throughout Proverbs, he's saying, hey, here's, here's the point. There is, there is wisdom, there's man's wisdoms and man's ways and there's God's ways, and they are extremely different. So I want to convince you, and he wants to convince us of that so that we won't blur them and we will choose God's ways. That's the point. So that's what's going on throughout all these topics in Proverbs as he's continually trying to say the same thing. So during our time today, we will be going through some of the same verses we've already gone through because this is just a simple recap but I want to recap in a different way to hopefully hit a point that it seems like our Savior wants us to know before we leave this book. And that is, my ways are absolutely not your ways. All right? And I'm hoping we'll have, uh, I'm going to fly through some stuff. Hopefully we'll have a couple minutes if there's any questions. Um, if you have questions during the time in our local body, you are able to ask questions. That's totally cool. We want that, all right? Okay, so let me um, pray for us and then we'll jump right in. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. And we pray right now, uh, by your grace, you would allow us to understand your word. You would reveal your word to us. You would allow us to respond to your truth. Um, Would you be gracious in that way, Jesus? Would you give us 
an excitement to know what you, what you tell is, is reality and for us to live in light of that. And Lord, allow us to repent of, uh, of the folly of thinking we can be our own gods and by listening to our own ways and our own desires. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, again, this book was written very long ago. We're talking 970 B.C. Um, it was written by a very wise man, Solomon, um, who's written some other things. He was a king, uh, a man of God who did some crazy things as well. There's a couple of other guys who wrote a few Proverbs in, the, in this book. And basically they're saying, hey, people of God, I've done a little life. I've been rich. I've done all these things. And here's what I've seen usually happens. And that's what a truism is. And that's one thing I want to make sure I make clear again for, for visitors. Mac Average should get this. But we don't, truisms aren't promises. You don't go to Proverbs and start claiming them as promises. Because a truism means that when you go through life, usually this happens. But it's not absolutely concrete, okay? And I always use the example of, you know, raising, you know, raising a child in the way it should go. Uh, you know, he will not depart from them. You know, if you raise him in the, child, uh, the, the, the fear and the admonition of the Lord, he will not depart from those ways. Well, we all know people probably who grew up and their parents were serious about giving them the, the scriptures and, and trying to care for them. And then they still wild out and they're crazy. And then you get another person who, you know, my, for example, myself, my mom and my dad are both drug dealers. You know, my brothers are drug dealers. All my family's all crazy. And yet God says, I'm going to make a huge joke here, Eric. I'm going to make you a pastor. Like, see, that's God. He's, we are doing that craziness, right? So, so, you, so you go, well, it didn't work out the way it's supposed to. The family of drug dealers is supposed to have drug dealers, right? But that happens a lot of the time, but that's not absolute truth. Just like a family of godly people don't always produce godly offspring, all right? So that's just an example. That's a truism, but don't claim Proverbs as promises, okay? So as we look at the ways of men and the ways of God, um, I just think the book of Proverbs is so rich, so much is trying to tell us about how to be godly. And hopefully during your time, in my opinion, on what we've tried to do through the packet, through the teaching here, through your times in Matt groups, through your one-on-one times, uh, we've tried to hopefully equip you to be able to handle this book well, even after our time together. So that's the goal. I hope you understand when we go through books of the Bible here, guys, we're going through books of the Bible so that you'll be able to go to that book and hopefully have some sense of of gospel clarity on how to handle that truth. So I'm, I, we're expecting you through your arguments at Matt Group, through your time uh, in your one-on-one times, hopefully through your personal devotion, and through your times here that you're seeing Bible study methods modeled, modeled and that you can eventually go back to the book of John or Galatians and Colossians and see some things that you didn't see before and then be able to continually gird yourself and like, oh, so that's why he said that. And continually equip yourself, okay, guys? Don't come here and just hear a talk. Right? We're a missional church. We've, we've missed it if we do that. So I want to make sure our, 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 our ears are perked up and we realize that this is intentional. We need, to be, we need to be aggressive and serious about growing in our walk with the Lord. All right? So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take just six main ways uh, that there's a disparity between God's ways and man's ways. Now, there's a ton in Proverbs. I'm just going to provide six. Uh, and hopefully that will just um, encapsulate what we've gone and talked about uh, during our whole time here um, in Proverbs. The first one, um, when we talk about the ways of men and the ways of God, is that God is the maker and we are the made. All right? God is the maker. He wants to make clear that I'm the maker and we are the made. I want to actually start by you looking in your Bibles and actually turning to Proverbs 3.19. It says, 
The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. It says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. See that? So when you think of those two Proverbs, how he's trying to help us understand, like, guess what? You didn't make an ocean, (laughs) okay, right? We can barely make bath water, right? He says, you did not understand where dirt came from. I made those things. I allow the oceans not to cover the land, right? When he gives us these Proverbs, now when you hear Proverbs 2, verse 6, when he says, the, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You know what the, the assumption is? He's saying, when you understand I've done it all, how, 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 how absolutely unwise is it for you to try to find wisdom and knowledge outside of me? Verse 5 of chapter 3, look what he says. Very famous verse, you know, you learn this. I got unbelievers quoting this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What's the assumption there? The assumption is like your understanding is so whack. My understanding is so bad. Don't lean on your own understanding. You need to trust in the Lord. See, this is just one way he's saying when you read Proverbs, he's trying to make us be convinced that, okay, my ways are not like God's. And one way is that I got to remember, he made everything. I am the one made, and so I probably should defer to him. The second truth that he wants us to get when you think of Proverbs is that God loves the righteous, and he will reward them. But we, right, we love evil, and we reward evil people. You hear that? So God loves the righteous, and he rewards those guys. What we do is we just love evil, and we reward evil people. Some of this is kind of hard. You go, I'm, no, I'm really nice. I reward good people too. I know. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. For example, let me, just, let me just talk about our culture for a moment. In our culture, I would say righteousness has almost become the new legalism. And that's scary to me. Isn't that scary to you? You know what I mean by that? If you know what legalism is, legalism is like, is like, well, people would say people who are really righteous, you're just following the law and you're all about the law. You don't have any love or grace. And you just, you, 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 you're just about here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And we make that actually to be a bad thing in Christianity. Is that fair? I mean, think about it. Do people even have the freedom in evangelical America to live a life like passionately set apart for God without being critiqued of being a legalist? Do we even have that freedom these days? What do we do? We automatically point the legalistic finger. Why is that? How would John the Baptist fare today? Would he be seen as a godly man? Would he be seen as the forerunner for the Savior? Or would he be seen as a guy who needs to calm down and watch more football? You need to relax a little, bruh. When we said it to John the Baptist, why are you eating bugs in the fields, man? Go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> right? 
That's what we we would want John to calm down, man. This isn't wise. People aren't coming to Christ because you're so mean. Look what the scriptures say. Proverbs 11, verse 20 says, here's, here's, here's how God, we talked about this a while, and you know this, we've talked about this over and over again, the sense of, man, God is serious about righteousness and holiness, and he hates sin. I'm trying to, I, I want us to get that. I want the Lord to put that in my heart. Because we can talk about grace and how to care for people and love them well. But first, let's build that conviction. It says, those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of a blameless, of blameless ways are his delight. This is what he says. Right? How many of us got crooked hearts in here? All right, we got some Christians. Verse 6 of chapter 13. Righteousness guards him whose ways is blameless, but sin overthrows the wicked. For the sake of time, let me go on down. You can, you can get these, hopefully, these verses online. Our, our, our sermons are online just to let you know. Uh, I'll jump down, down to verse 9 of chapter 15. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he who loves him, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. See the distinctions? The Lord, the Lord sets that stuff apart. Again, I tell people, we can, we, can, we can conjure up a way that Jesus lives life and do, does things, but actually read the Gospels. Remember we talked about that when we had our discipleship retreat? Blew me away. I was challenged by one of our elders. Eric, I want you just to, in a truncated fashion, just read this cursory. Read through the Gospels. I read through the Gospels. I was blown away. I'm so glad he challenged me. I was blown away at how mean Jesus is in my mind. I was blown away. Do it sometime. Take the challenge. Read through the Gospels and see. Now, the world tells you Jesus handles sin this way. I propose to you the Bible says he is serious about sin. And that in every aspect of his love and care of validating his beautiful attributes of truth and grace, he never fought truth for grace. Never. Take the challenge. Just pop on down to verse 18, chapter 28. Look what it says. You can take the rest of those verses. There's a lot of verses. My point there, I just always do that so you know this coming from the Bible. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. God is, you know, God has said something here. He said, hey, now I want you to know I reward righteousness. Bank on it. I don't reward evil. All right? You go, man, I struggle with that. I see evil people getting rewarded all the time. Store that in your heart. We're going to answer that question in a moment. The third way we are different than God and our ways are different, the ways of God are life and wisdom, and the ways of men are death. Now, I want to tell you, here's what God's trying to do to all of us, right, to me and you. He's trying to bring us to that brink, right? He says, first, you're created. I'm the creator. I reward the righteous. Each one of these, you know what they do? They should point us to the gospel. They should, they should point us more to Jesus. I'm going to keep saying that. The third one, the ways of God are life and wisdom and the ways of men are death. Look what he says here. Verse 13 of chapter 8. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Here's why, here's why I bring this one up. Guys, this is all of us. This is all our propensity. And I know we're born again, so praise the Lord for that. But when you talk about our unbelievers in our community, we talk about our friends and our neighbors, and even in our own life if we're in the flesh, for some reason, we are, we, we're wired because of, of, of original sin to try to find life. We want life. 
We want life, but we're trying to always find it apart from God. We always are trying to figure out ways to get stuff and happiness and those, those things that God created us to want and long for. But we're like, can, is there a way that I can just get it where I ain't got to worship you? And God says, you don't get it. No, 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 no. Life and wisdom is in me. Everything else is death. Verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice. You see that? That's where he hangs out. Like, you want to know where I hang out? This is where I hang out. So a lot of us are wondering why we don't experience the Holy Spirit power. Right? We're, not, we're not experiencing the supernatural realm of Jesus as we walk with the Lord. Well, he's telling you, I hang out with people who are, who are trying to seek me and be about kingdom. Verse 21 of chapter 5, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths, which, will, which actually fits into sovereignty a little more, actually. Verse 9 of chapter 10, whoever walks in integrity will walk securely, but he who makes his ways crooked, I'm, I'm going to put you on blast. He'll be found out. These are the promises of the Lord. Let's skip on down. Let's go to verse 3 of chapter 19. I love this one. When a man's folly brings him to his way to ruin, guess what he does? He gets mad at Jesus. See that? How many of us are like that? We don't want anything to do with God, or we kind of pimp God, right? And then we, we shysty. We, you know, we, we, do, we, we cover all our bets, you know what I'm saying? It's a big, big old, life is a big old casino. So I do a little Jesus action here. I do my hustle here. And then when my hustle get put on blast and things happen in my life that are crazy, then I go, Lord, what are you doing to me? And I get mad at the Lord. And I don't say, why was I lying? Why did I treat that person like that? Why was I conniving? Why was I greedy? We don't ask ourselves questions about our evil. We ask God, why won't you bless my evil? And we said in verse 16 of chapter 19, guys. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. Life. He who despises his ways will die. Now, here's our struggle, right? Here's why this is hard to believe. If we can just, we all just keep it real. We fam, you know how we do here. The reason why we don't believe this, I will propose there's probably two reasons. First, because it says, right, God likes righteous people and they live, evil people die. Two reasons why we struggle with this is because we've all done horrible things and we're not dead yet. Right? So we're like, really, Lord? Man, I've been so foul and I'm still living. In fact, I got money. And you're like, hold up. I don't know, man. I think God, I think he's trying to hustle me. I think he wants me to be a good he, 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 He's a softy. He's not going. All right? Or we find ourselves actually profiting from, from evil. So we look at it pragmatically and we go, wait a minute. You're telling me if I'm evil, I'm going to be found out and things aren't going to happen a certain way. Tr- untrue. I'm balling. I got all this dough. People love me. I got girls or I got guys. You know, and we look at our life and it invalidates, we think, the scriptures. Right? So we struggle. Now, let me can I speak to that a little bit. First thing I want you to remember is Proverbs are truisms. Okay? 
So, although there's a lot of other people who will give you testimony that, you know what, I kept trying to play God like that, and I found myself on 2020. You know what I'm saying? Explaining why I'm, I'm getting 25 to life, or why I got AIDS, you know, or why my kids won't talk to me. You know, or why my son got killed, blah, 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 blah. So you find, you see people who got that other testimony, but it won't happen to everybody. Everybody doesn't have drama-filled lives because of their evil. So we can never make those pictures and say, you did this or this happens. Can't do that because God's ways aren't our ways. Okay? But the more important thing for the faith community I propose the scriptures is trying to show us is that he's saying people think that because we've lied to ourselves like an addict. See, God is saying that true life is found in Jesus. Now, before I became a Christian, I thought I was having a great life. Right? It was great. I was doing what I wanted to do. I had my stuff. No one was telling me not to be evil. It was awesome. But there's something that happens when God grabs your heart. He gives you a different lens. And you start, I mean, I'm blown away at it. You start hating unrighteousness. You start actually wanting righteousness. And there becomes a conviction in your heart. And it's almost like, it's not that those things were horrible or that, that you really didn't enjoy them, and you, but it's that actually there's something better. There's something better. There's a way you were intended to live. There's a way of what, what it means to be truly human. And so it's, it's an issue of perspective. It's an issue of lens. It's an issue of while God is going, and he says this in Hebrews 11, right? He tells us, he says, uh, this is, if you look at the hall of faith, I love it. I love the passage where he says, hey, and, and uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's Moses. He was like, that basically he could have been, you know, in Pharaoh's court and being king and doing his thing and sinning. And he says he resisted those pleasures, which means he would have liked them. I love that part. I love that part. He's not saying, oh, you know, sin's so bad. He's like, I would have loved it for this greater reward for Jesus, for the Lord, okay? The beauty of it is our lens, is that God does something. So I want to propose then, when you're going through life, and, and some of us even as believers, and you're not really giving it over to Jesus, and you kind of live in a duplicative lifestyle, but you're saved by grace, Right? God is really saying to us in Scripture is that you're really not experiencing all that you could, you could be experiencing in life. That's the sad thing. Is there's billions of people and probably millions of Christians who will be saved, and God will enjoy them and be, and be gracious, just like he's gracious with all of us, and we never really maximize God's glory in our life. And therefore, we never really truly lived. Number four. God's ways are sovereign, which means he has absolute full control. Absolute full control. There's absolute nothing that happens that is outside of God's control. We firmly believe that as a covenant community at MacAff. We think as people, we are in control. But here's the reality. God has total control. We have no control. All right, see, now that, that one right there, man, that should make it want to come to Christ. Because you, you, you ever been in an environment where you had no control? I mean, seriously, I haven't been in, I mean, obviously, you know, we, theologically, I know I've been in all those environments, right? But I'm a control freak, okay? So I know I love control. And all my good friends going, mm-hmm, right? 
That's all right. I tell myself, here's the thing, though. I will never forget. I'm a, I can swim. I'm not, you know, my wife, she's like a little flipper in the water. I can swim. I, I'll be okay. I'll, but, man, when we was in Africa and we rafted the Nile and uh, we went through these, you know, it's like really deep water, so... Rapids are crazier than like in America because the water's more shallow in there. You can get, you know, killed on a rock or something in America. But what happens in the Nile is like either alligator eats you or, you know, or the water is, is just like a big washing machine. So you just have to experience. I can't even explain it to you. But all I can tell you is you have, in people, if you're a raptor, you know there's category fours and there's category fives. And I think I'm right. There's no category six because people haven't made those. They died. All right. So we had... We had Three category fours and two category fives. And I don't know what we're doing. I'm just like, okay, I want to be cool. Everybody else in the boat. You know, I can't be the, the buster, right? I ain't going. Oh, man, all these brothers in the boat. My wife here, I got to be tough, right? Come on, baby, get in, get in the boat. So get in the boat. <laughs> the dude takes us to like five minutes of training. I mean, you know, it's a straight street. We're in Africa. These brothers are like, come here, man. Say, so put this on right quick. Put the, put the boat over your head. Okay, I hope you'll be okay, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, that's all we get, brother? We get in the water. And everybody's like, yeah, we know how Britain, all everybody's trying to be tough. You got people from, from Britain, you got Canadians, everybody, in a, you know, it's like all these people in this boat. And everybody's all hyped about what they're going to do and how this is going to be so fun. And, and um, man, I'm telling you, we hit the first category four, category four. And everybody was like, we got done. And everybody wasn't talking as much. Everybody was kind of like, huh, we, everybody's still in the boat, but it's kind of like, whoa, what just happened there? So now, you know, the brothers, you know, they kind of was like, yeah, uh-huh. So it's like, me two guys still talking. I mean, we hit a Category 5, right? He's like, okay, so hit a Category 5. You guys ready? I want you to hold on, try to hold on to the boat. You know, if you're under the water, you know, hey, look, if, you, if, you, if it's all dark, don't start swimming because you might be swimming down deeper. Because that's how deep the water is. And if you swim deeper, that's not good when you need to get air. You got me? And so, and they're like, if, if you go up, because you fill out the boat, there's a high likelihood that the pressure takes you under the boat. So don't freak out if you're under the boat. Just tap the boat, and I'll come get you. I'm like, what, dude? So this is what you're telling me. <laughs> so we hit, we hit this thing. I'm just telling you all, because I'm trying to talk about control. God humbled me this day. I'm going I'm to get all emotional. We hit this Category 5. The boat flew in the water, and people just flew like little. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. I mean, the boat was, we have it on film on my, on my, uh, on my computer. You, I think, have we showed you E? People went everywhere. Paddles, and they have like they have like four or five African brothers in these like little bitty things to save you, right? <laughs> and I remember, I remember just thinking to myself, like, oh my goodness, we went down, and I was underwater, and I remember thinking, well, I'm not coming up. And I remember just thinking, my my my, Brit- my British neighbor back home who does these tours where we were living in, in, in Africa, he was like. Just know that one, you will eventually come up. <laughs> so I'm just going, okay, Lord, it's been a while. And man, I didn't think I would go out like this. I thought you had a wonderful plan for my life. I thought I was going to preach the gospel. I mean, I'm really thinking like, wow, God could kill me right now and he would not miss his glory at all. It was a very humbling experience that you guys will still come to faith. People are going to still walk with Jesus. It's like you are absolutely insignificant and significant at the same time. It was, it was, it blew me away. I'm under the water and I'm like, finally I come up and I'm thinking, okay, I'm still alive. But now, guys, I'm telling you, the water was like coming, it was the highest, I mean, it was just, it would hit you in the face and you go under again, you know. 
And, and now, man, I'm freaking out. I'm starting to have asthma attacks. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm losing it. My wife is screaming for me. And I see her, and she goes by me, and I'm like, baby, you got to save yourself. I can't. What am I going to do? I know that's messed up. I know that's messed up. She will tell you, I love her to death. That's my girl. I die for her. But at that point, it wasn't an issue of desire. I did not, I could not get to my wife. I'm like, baby, I need to make it too. If I die, it ain't going to help you. So I got to I got to be alive first, right? So... And she'll tell you the story. She went and started, she saw her man just totally played her. So she started screaming for a Canadian dude named Rory. I was like, whatever, whatever. So, 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 but guys, I tell you, I remember during that time, I thought to myself, when, we came, when the, the African dude came over, I mean, I'm just like, man, when, he, when they pulled us all, they all, it took like probably 10 minutes to get us all back in the boat, all right? There was not a sound. <laughs> People were scared straight. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. We had one nutball, a good friend of mine, Peter. He wouldn't say anything, but he was the most courageous. Everyone was silent. And you know what happened during that moment? I think everybody got a taste of their mortality. Everybody got a little taste that you can die right now. You have no control. This huge, this, and this is a river. This isn't even the biggest sea. It was amazing. And the Lord used that to show me you have no control. You might think you do. But God might need to put you in an environment where you realize you have absolutely no control. I'm a, I want to pray that for some of you guys. That God will show you he's God and you're not. He's sovereign and you're not. And that he can squash you just like that. Look what the scriptures say. Let me read a few. If you can turn to, um, turn to Proverbs 16. 16.33. Scriptures read, actually 16.4. I'm just going to read them to you guys. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Trouble. You hear that? He said, hey, what you fretting about? I made the wicked people. See what he's trying to help you understand? I did all that. I made everything. So think about it. God made everything. God murders his son for me. He makes me his friend. I'm friends with the God that made everything, the God that knows everything, the God that's all powerful. You see that? You see what he's trying to birth in us? Faith. Faith. Look what he says in verse 33, guys. Verse 33, the scriptures read, the lot is cast into the lap, (laughs) but it's every decision is from the Lord. You hear that? You cast in lots, paper, rock, scissors, thinking, okay, two out of three times, you're crazy. You cast lots and you do paper, rock, scissors knowing you're doing it because God is sovereign. So we do it in our house, but we do it to model to our kids God's sovereignty. We say, oh, you want to know what we should do? Hey, I don't know if we should give you the, the cake or if we should give him the cake. Just let the Lord decide. And we trust that we do paper, rock, scissors, and the Lord says, I want her to have the cake. Not luck. It's sovereignty. Look what it says in um, Proverbs 20, verse 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? I love that. He said, if God is totally in control and he's orchestrating everything, you sound crazy thinking you know the way and you're going to just direct this and do that. He says, how do you really know your way? 
How do you know what's going to happen when you're a teacher? How do you know what's going to happen when you start a business? What do you really know about what's going to happen in Peru? It's like he's telling us this. What do you know when you're doing martial arts? And he's like, you do all that with a deep humility that you are absolutely not in control. Verse verse 9 of chapter 16 says, The heart of man pleases his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You see that? See, your cosmology affects how you live. Your, your understanding of the world, that's what cosmology, your study of the cosmos, the way, the way you view it, 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 if you, if you believe that you are created, then there must be a created one, someone who's created you, okay? And if someone's created you, that created one must be all powerful, the one who created you, right? Now, what the beauty of what we have in history is that the, the one who created reveals himself. His name is Jesus, And he says, I love you, and I'm the perfect one, and this is why I am worth everything. This is why I am the treasure. See, he doesn't hide himself, but he reveals himself so that we can have a relationship. Number five, and then we're going to move on. Holiness and righteousness is inherent to God. Defilement and evil is inherent to man. I'm going to read a few. Go on down to verse 19 of 23. He says, hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Why do you think he says that? He says, because guess what? Left into your natural thinking, you're going to be so evil and messed up. That's why I'm trying. See, the Bible is about reformation. The Bible is about affirming that you and I are evil and we need instruction. We need a God to show us what does it mean to be like him because of the fall. He says in 23 of chapter 6, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Here's, what, here's the point that God wants to make, even in there. I don't have time to go through all those verses. Here's this point. The ways of God are good and trustworthy, and the ways of men are suspicious and tainted. You hear me? Here's, what, here's, here's why this is important. This speaks against emotional-driven theology. You hear me, guys? Don't miss that. This speaks against, here's what I feel. God said this to me. God called me to do this. Okay, when you say that, let me ask you a question. How many times have you let someone, so say, you, say that's your, your girding. When you say that, how many times have you let someone question your heart from Scripture? And you, not get, you, you, and you didn't get threatened. If your posture is, I feel like this, I need to do this, God told me this, my heart said this, and then someone says, well, actually, Scripture it goes against that. Do you go, oops, I was tripping, sorry, I was a false prophet there. Or do you go, how are you going to tell me that? God told me in my heart. You get threatened? That's a key indicator that you don't understand this aspect of how God is the one who's perfect and just and his thinking's right and your ways are evil and, and tainted and you always going to try to figure out how you get out alive, right? How you get the best out of whatever the situation is. That's how we are as people. That's huge. Am I saying that God doesn't speak supernaturally? Absolutely he does. But I also want to tell you, you look in scripture, it's not like every 20 seconds. 
Just be careful about how we talk about Jesus. This concept here, guys, what I love about it is he's banking, and this is what the church is about. See, because we're like that, and God is like this, God is good, he can, tr- he can trust himself, we can't trust ourselves, that's the whole point of church, covenant community, elders. You know what the point of all this is in here? One of the main points is accountability. One of the main points of Jesus, the reason why he gathers a bunch of people and say, now walk with me and hold each other accountable, because he's banking on the fact that all of us won't be in the flesh all at the same time. He knows right now 10 to 30% of y'all in the flesh. Could be me, right? So we need to deal with reality now. I could be up here right now, ain't read my Bible in two weeks, going off of spiritual fumes back from crusade days and be trying to fool all y'all. Okay? God is saying, but guess what, Eric? That's okay. I got the people of God so that when you in the flesh, I'm hoping you have an elder meeting and you're not walking. I hope he walking. And if I can get one or two of y'all walking, they can expose the other ones and y'all can pause and get the other, other people to start walking so now we can have a biblical meeting. You see that? See, when you short-circuit accountability, now you get to bask in evil. When you short-circuit the people of God, if I'm in a mat group and seven people in mat group are saying I'm doing something that's evil, and I say, all y'all file but me, all y'all lying, none of y'all walking with Jesus but me, I think you need to pause because God speaks to his people. Can that happen? Is there a time when you're a prophet and everybody tripping but you? Yes. Again, read the Bible. Not all the time. Usually, the truism in Proverbs is that a wise man has many wise counselors. That's what the Bible says. I'm saying that because we as a church got to get that, guys. That's why you got elders. That's why we got each other. That's why we place you in small groups. That's why we do community the way we do. That's why we're living together and we're in each other's lives. We don't, okay, we do want to be nosy in the flesh, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to be in your life so that if you're tripping, I can say, man, you don't talk to your wife like that. And for you to be able to respond with biblical humility. And if you don't, I can grab other three other brothers and say, hey, he didn't respond. We got to talk to this brother. Trust me, ladies, you need that and you want that in your life. So here's what happens. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting awkward. Here's what happens. In our flesh, we want to listen to us. We don't want to listen to people. Right? But what biblical accountability says, we know that and we want you to listen to God. That's the whole point about accountability, guys. Just hear that. Last one. Why do we do that? Why do we struggle with that? Because God is humble and confident in himself. That's God's way. In man's way, we're arrogant and confident in ourselves. All right? Look what the scriptures say. I'm going to to fly through these. Verse 15 of chapter 12. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Verse 12 of 14. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's a way of death. Verse 2 of chapter 16. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. You're like, Eric, why do you keep reading the same passage? No, no, no. See, that's what I'm saying. Different passages all in Proverbs. Is he trying to make a point? 
Verse 25 of chapter 16. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And you're thinking, you read that exact same passage in, in chapter um, 14. Guess what? That exact same passage, word for words in chapter 14. He says the exact same thing in Proverbs. I love that. You don't think he's trying to make a point to us about how we do life usually? Our propensities, our knee-jerk reactions? Every way, verse 2 of chapter 21, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs his heart. You might think you're doing all the good. God, man, you jacked up. God looking at you like what? Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in way of, of insight, he tells us. It says in verse 29 of chapter 21, this is the last one, a wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thoughts to his ways. You ever heard slang in the communities? Sometimes I feel like our slang comes in the Bible sometimes because there's big slang right now. You bold, right? Like, well, you know what that means? But, but, I love, but, you know, see, slang got biblical etymology. So you, the thing is, when you tell you someone's bold, it's, you, here's, what, here's a point in the proverb. He's saying, you ever get somebody, you so wicked, man, you just do it with a bold. You look at them in the face like, yeah, I did that. You just bold with it. You ain't even shy. You know what I'm saying? You, when, you, when you say something, when you think something, you just do it, and you don't even care how the person feels. You ever have somebody who's just weak at the mouth like that? They say something, they kill the person, and they don't even give thought to what they said. He says, but the upright gives thought to his ways. Hold on, before I do that, wait a minute. Man, that's going to hurt him and her. Is that going to be redemptive? Is there, is, is there a gospel reason for that, or am I just trying to be right? Or, and we don't go through that journey. He said, these cats bold. Here's the thing. Can I just share this? We're going to go home, guys. So he's talking about man's ways and God's ways, all right? See, I look around this room, and you know there's one, there's one aspect where I see that. See, here's the thing. We are a covenant community, and we're talking about being godly in Christ. You know, one way that we get to show man's ways are different than God's ways, and we get to really display God's ways is what I'm seeing right here. Even seeing the eclectic body of African-Americans, Asians, white folks gathering together, right, Indians, we got, for the sake of the gospel, reveals God's divine glory. It reveals his character. And the world tells you and I, what are you doing? For African-Americans, we had an awesome sister of the Lord come to us. Just, we talk like this in the body, so if you visit her, just deal with it, okay? We had a sister come with us and say, hey, yo, what y'all, what y'all doing here? Y'all been here before grip. Y'all do all kind of awesome things, but I want to know something. There's a lot of white people. I think that's, that's, that's appropriate to ask that question. And I want to know, are you trying to make the hood the suburbs? Or, right, are you trying to be, she didn't say this, but here's, here's, the, here's the danger from all of us. If we don't get it, it's being a paternalistic colony, right? We come here, we build our, do our thing, we do things to the community, but we're distinct. You got to be careful. So she said, is, is that what you're doing? Or are you trying to, you know, are you trying to make the suburbs? Or are you trying to bring us out? What, what you, what, what's going on? That's a good question that we need to be wrestling with, both blacks and whites and every ethnic group in this room. And here's why. Because it's time for all of you to understand something. For us to model the divine character of God in this way, to show God's ways and not man's ways, it takes you, the people, to quit listening to man's ways. To say, wait a minute, 
God died to make people one. And the way that people saw the divine character of Jesus, when they saw a Jew saying, I'm going to identify with a Gentile because he loves Jesus. Period. And guess what? We're going to work through the music. I see the little white girl up there singing. We're going to work through that. She bringing it. No, here's my deal. Megan bringing it, but guess what? That's a big issue for us, right? I'm going to work through the jealousy and all these things for the sake of the gospel. And see, a lot of times we can get black folks who come in and out, but it's hard to identify and stay here and say, I'm going to identify, I'm going to vouch that these people are preaching the gospel. They're living the gospel. Those are my people. And I'm asking each one of you, in all of your ethnicity, to even take this one thing and show God's way. I want to challenge you. Show God's way. If there's an integrity to this ministry, if people are coming in favor, if people are seeing the gospel, if we're serving and caring for the community, vouch for us. Identify with us because the gospel is true here. In all of our junk, in our sin, we love Christ. That's one way you can say, you know what? I'm going to do it God's way. See, God would do that because it communicates one of his attributes. And that is that unity he has with the Trinity. When you've got unity and diversity. Here are the conclusions, guys. Here are the conclusions. I want to, ask, I want to bring the conclusions and questions. Based on all that we've seen, those six ways, they're the questions you've got to ask yourself. Based on all that we've seen about our Jesus, should we fear and pay homage and idolize, want to look good in front of our maker or someone else who was made? Now the question, which reward do you desire? Man's reward or God's? That's in the gospel. Jesus said, oh, you're praying and doing all these things so people can see you. He says, you've gotten your reward right now, but you will not get one in heaven. A lot of us, we're living for man's rewards. Ooh, she got this. He got that. Look how cool they are. Oh, my goodness. Look at her kid. They always do stuff for their kid. And you're living for man's For People can go, oh, you off the chain. You're sweet. Oh, that's so cool. And you're living for those rewards. That's even some of the reasons why we, why we can't see a revival of eclectic people getting together for the gospel. Because we're living for man's rewards. I, won't, I don't want people to think I'm not black enough. I can't be in there with all them white people. That's a man reward. Will following God provide joy and delight for life or will following men? Will you live as if you are in control or or if God is? And finally, will you trust your heart or God's word? God's ways are not our ways. Unlike us being flamboyant, he's hidden. He doesn't put himself on blast like we do. And guess what, guys? He has very little appeal to our natural pleasures. He, he's not trying to appease you and me. That's how we roll, right? We, that's, how we, that's how we seek and, and, and conquer. We, give, we get people connected emotionally to us, right? 
so they'll like us and then we manipulate. It's not our Lord. The Lord just preaches lordship. He says, I'm the king of everything. I deserve to be worshipped. Will you worship me? Think about it.